Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, IndyCar fans. This is Nathan Brown, your co-host on this week's edition of IndyCar Weekly. Back after uh, a couple weeks away as we get ready to head into a a major historic weekend uh, with IndyCar and NASCAR joining uh, the one track, or I guess a couple tracks, at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. The first time that both series have been present and run races at the same racetrack uh in in both series history so i'm joined of course by my co-host connor daly uh who is getting ready for his debut appearance with ed carpenter racing coming off a strong showing with uh carlin racing on the indycar season debut at texas a couple weeks ago uh connor how are you doing after these uh couple weeks away from first start to this year's season well, uh, it's just good to be back. I think that's um, that's really the main thing. It was just so nice to see uh, everyone at the track. Um, obviously, you know, it's sucked to not have fans there. Um, or, you know, I had no family, friends, no, no one there at all. So it was, that, that was kind of weird. But it was just there, there seemed to be a lot of people just happy to be back at the track. And then that was that was really cool. Um you know, I, thankfully, I did. You know, Doug did sneak down there. Obviously, my stepdad, so it was good to have him there, and and he kind of brought you know brought my mom along the way with FaceTime. Um, so so that was good. Um, but yeah, it was it was just awesome to get back to the track and just feel slightly like we're getting back to a, a, a normal normal world. Um, but uh, obviously, yeah, obviously everything is still crazy, but we are going racing, and and that is uh, that's that's awesome. All right, we'll get more, uh, touch more on Connor's uh, reflections and appearance at the first race at TMS this year in a minute. But before we get to that, um, some major, major news that I know especially local fans here in Indianapolis will want to hear and get some more information and understanding about coming down this morning uh, from IMS and IndyCar. The latest news on fans attending this year's Indy 500, according to uh, the series in the track, they uh, have reaffirmed their plans to hold fans at this year's race, still being planned for August 23rd here in just under two months. And the big news coming out today is that uh, fans will be allowed to attend this year's race at uh 50% 50% capacity and now that's 50% capacity of the entire racetrack so that that includes your grandstands uh, what they consider full capacity of the infield and full capacity of their suites so in years past that has traditionally been estimated to be somewhere around 350,000 folks so from that you can take that uh 175,000 folks roughly will be allowed uh, at maximum to be able to attend this year's race in person. Um, Have a lot more uh, pieces to that total story, but just in general, Connor, um, here in that news that was released a couple hours ago, what's your initial uh, initial thoughts and, and initial reaction to hearing that news today? Well, I mean, obviously, you know, Doug, is is part of my family doug bowles and so you know he's been he's been working harder than i think i've ever seen him work just because things change all the time things change every day you know roger roger penske's obviously um you know chatting with doug very very frequently on 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 everything that's going on and and uh and, and it's a tough situation i mean it's 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 hard we, we we so badly want to be able to welcome everyone that's you know been going to the 500 for you know years upon years you know back to the track 
Um, but obviously, you know, the world is in a, a, a strange spot right now. And, um, I, you know, I, I, I hate it. Like, I, I, I don't know, you know, what I just I just would hate to see, you know, people get turned away who have wanted to come for the very first time or who have bought tickets for the very first time. You know what I mean? That, that there's always new people that are coming to the 500. Um, and, you know, our goal is to try and, you know, make sure that those new people want to keep coming back. And, and so that's, you know, that, that makes it tough. But, uh, you know, from an organizational standpoint, from, from a, you know, from a, from a leadership standpoint, I guess you gotta, you gotta make those type of calls. And, uh, you know, I, I would love to sit, I would love to think that, you know, we can continue to make things better, you know, safety wise and, and health wise for everyone or, or something, you know, something helps the uh, the whole COVID nineteen situation. You know, as we continue to go through July, and, um, and, and you never know. But uh, but yeah, it, it it's going to be strange for us because as well with the suites and and the, and the partnerships with the team, our sponsors. You know, most of what is so important about our business deals and our sponsorship is 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 interaction at the racetrack and, and making sure to entertain. Um, you know, the, the people that support our race teams. Um, and so there, there's just so many things that it affects, um, you know, I think obviously to stay positive, you know, it is great that we will be able to have people there. Uh, you know, at Indy 500, I don't think would, would, would happen if there was no one there. I just don't, I just don't see that being a thing. Um, you know, it's the largest attended single day sporting event in the world. And, you know, you can't go from the most people to no people. (laughs) So (laughs) it's, uh, it's, it's, you know, it is what it is. I know those guys are working as hard as they possibly can. There's a lot of stuff that goes on, you know, with the mayor that, that, that people um, certainly may not agree with every now and then. But, uh, you know, everyone's trying to work towards, you know, we know how much the Indiana 500 has, has an effect on this city. We know how many people that brings. Um, and, and I'm excited for it no matter what. Obviously, we're going to go out there and, and try to put on the best show that we can. Um, you know, every single day that we're out there practicing, qualifying in the race. So, uh, you know, it, it, it's weird to see that, but I did see that we also made ESPN today, so that's good. <laughs> I mean, that that story did make ESPN while I was at the while I was at the gym, which is good. Um, you know, people, you know, we we, we trying to get some more attention on the series, but uh, but yeah, it is what it is, and and that's the news we've got for now. So we 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 deal with it. Hopefully, our fans can understand as well. Yep. So you mentioned. Um, those folks in suites that I know, so many of those uh, are involved in you know the sponsorship of, of cars and of teams and of the sport. Um, so some clarification there. So those folks in suites, along with every single person that currently holds a ticket, earlier this week it was reported to be, and I confirmed today, that that's roughly about 175,000 total people that if the race was held today – Folks that currently hold a ticket or a way to get in the door as a fan um, would be there. So all those folks, if they wish to attend this year's Indy 500, will be allowed to do so. How some of this is going to work is uh, particularly for fans who currently have tickets uh, in the grandstands. The folks whose uh, names are on those tickets today received an email uh, from IMS and I think specifically uh, from Doug Bowles and the way this process is going to work is those folks whose uh, whose names are on those ticket packages will have the option to do a couple different things. They will they will be allowed to hold on to their entire allotment of tickets as they presently have. So say every year you renew uh, ten tickets, you are allowed to keep all ten of those tickets. You can also um, Decide, you can also say that you would like to maybe maybe only want to have uh, six people. Maybe only six people in your group are feeling comfortable attending this year's race. Um, you can you can let them know that. One of the important parts of all of this is that um, folks in in groups like that will only be guaranteed for fifty percent of their group to sit somewhere close to uh, the area that they traditionally sit in. So. Um, if you are hoping to have more than 50% of your traditional group attend this year's race, some of those people might not be sitting in the same area. So that's one of the, the major points 
on all of this today. Um, any IMS over the next 10 days as folks will fill out the survey, we'll then kind of see where things stand. Certainly there will be, uh, I would imagine, some uh, you know, somewhat substantial amount of folks that just decide that maybe they don't feel comfortable attending this, this year's race, even though the track will be um, recommending that people wear masks throughout the day. There will be uh, handing out masks and a bottle of hand sanitizer to everyone who comes onto the grounds of the facility. Um, obviously, those folks tick ticketing-wise, seat-wise, and the grandstands will be moved around accordingly to provide for some social distancing there. Uh, but they did say that I think it was folks 65 and older, along with folks that may have some other underlying health conditions, are being recommended not to attend this year's race. So that, that group includes some of the people that have been attending this, re this race for you know, 50, 60, maybe even 70 years, which uh, will be a really, really tough decision for those folks, but it's essentially up to them. Uh, and so I think, as you mentioned, at this point, this, this group of Doug Bowles, Mark Miles, Roger Penske, uh, of course, all of the, the local uh, city and state health officials, mayor's office, governor's office, have all been working really hard at this ever since really probably the middle of March to figure out what this year's Indy 500 is going to look like. And it certainly will look very different. Um, but I think, you know, everything is pointing to hopefully this being the, the best way to hold this race, hold it with the pa as many passionate fans uh, in attendance as possible uh, while still allowing and understanding that this year's circumstances certainly are different uh, than any other. So, Yeah, and definitely, like, I'll, I'd recommend everyone for sure, like, take that survey that, that IMS sends out. You know, if you're a ticket holder, you know, help, help them out for sure. And, and I know, like, online surveys are weird and stuff like that, and I never really take them. But, you know, this, this, is, this is definitely going to be helpful for the event, for, you know, for us as drivers and teams. And, and you know, this, this is a group effort. You know, we, we're all going to the Indy 500 together. Um, you know, drivers, fans, sponsors, everyone. So, you know, take that survey if you get it. And, and whatever they send out, you know, work with them. Because they, they know how much, you know, everyone at IMS, certainly at the higher levels, and, and I know Doug for sure, you know, cares the world about the people that attend, you know, the events at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And, um, and we don't, we want to make sure everyone has the best experience possible. So, so yeah, definitely, definitely help, help, uh, help us out. And, and hopefully we can all, you know, have the best experience possible. Mm -hmm. One other aspect of that, that I asked, uh, both Doug and Mark on a call earlier today that I know has, has already turned into a hot button topic. We've already got, um, I think at least one driver chiming in about it. And it's for really just for folks around here locally in Indianapolis, Every single year always becomes a big news story about whether uh, whether fans locally in the Indianapolis market who don't attend the race will be able to watch the TV broadcast this year, of course, on NBC, uh, last year on NBC and in years past on ABC, whether they will be able to watch the broadcast live on their televisions. Um, at this moment, uh, both Doug and Mark have said uh, not to plan around there being a lift of that blackout, even though there is going to be a cap on this year's attendance. Um, the last year that that became a significant issue was in 2016, where it was, one, uh, it was the third time, I believe, in race history that local race fans in the Indy area were able to watch the race live, and that was because they not only sold out the grandstands in the first week of May, but also reached what they considered to be their safe capacity for uh, for the infield and obviously for the suites as well. So um, will be an interesting thing to see play out. Uh, I don't, they left some leeway there, I think, to potentially, uh, you know, change that decision depending on how we see things go. But this is where things are at presently. Um, I know there are lots of folks that are particularly passionate on the blackout rule. Graham Ray Hall even um, tweeted out not long ago, just saying he, you know, strongly, strongly agreed at uh, hoping that they do lift that. Um, and I imagine that he's probably not alone to that effect. Yeah, I mean that's that that's certainly a hot topic, as you said. <laughs> um, you know, I, I want people to be able to watch the race, but I also want it to make business sense for you know for everyone. And I, and I know 
know, it, the the only reason it is blacked out is purely for you know for for business reasons, for reasons you know that both affect the the series, um, the track, and 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 the, and the TV you know the TV contract. So I, I certainly hope that. If they do, I mean, realistically, you, you'd have to think if they sell as many tickets as they possibly can to fit in with the rules, you know, then it might be lifted. So, um, you know, so, so we'll see what happens there. I, I, I don't know enough about it and the details on it to, you know, to really comment. But, um, you know, I, I, I would love to see the, you know, the Indianapolis area be able to watch the race for sure live. Yep, absolutely. I think, I mean, it, in any year, you know, if there was – a year to make an exception, uh, given the the wild circumstances of 2020, I think this would certainly be the year. So we'll have to see how that plays out. Um, I imagine, you know, as we we learn more about how what folks do with their tickets and and how where IMS is in in 10 to 14 days, they'll start to you know, kind of discuss that maybe a little bit more. Doug did mention that it's something that just hasn't really been discussed that much at all, and uh, so we'll see where that goes. But Moving on from today's news, uh, we're gonna we're gonna take a step back to Connor's uh, sixth place finish with Carlin Racing in this year's season opener at Texas Motor Speedway on June sixth. Uh, was a a race that was uh, pretty pretty solidly dominated by Scott Dixon, who won by more than four seconds. He led 157 of the 200 laps. Was a a pretty great duel that we were hoping to see uh, pan out toward the end between he and his teammate Felix Rosenquist before Felix crashed with around 10 laps to go that um, even though it created a, a late caution, still um, Scott was able to just kind of push ahead. They had some really, really strong cars there, but was a very, very interesting race um, You know, just behind them for the podium um, for, for those top 10 spots. I know, Connor, you were jockeying in there. Um, all evening, had a really fast car, particularly putting down some quick times as far as practice was concerned at the start of the day. Um, what were some of the biggest takeaways that you were able to take from that one-day show uh, at Texas Motor Speedway to start the year before this layoff he's had these we've had these last couple weeks? Well, I mean, it was it was crazy right from the start. We obviously saw it, you know, as soon as the rookies went out and, and you know, uh, my, 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 my other teammate, Renus, you know, that he, that was really tough to see him, uh, you know, get involved in a, well, crash there in practice, but it just goes to show you what type of pressure, you know, the, the, the us as drivers were put on. I mean, we have so little time. You want to get up to speed as soon as possible. You want to be able to deliver the information to the team as quickly as possible. Um, and just use every minute, uh, as, as efficiently as you can, but, uh, but, but trying to do that as well without a ton of time to get used to the track, to settle in. And, and we don't have a lot of tires. You really, that, that's a huge issue as well is you don't have uh, many tires to do the job. Um, you know, things can go wrong. And, and I think, uh, for us, thankfully, you know, we were able to get some good information from the simulator before we showed up to Texas. And, you know, the guys at Carlin, they, they had an idea of what I wanted out of the car um from texas last year and and we continue to develop that as we ran last year at iowa and, and gateway uh pocono as well and we kept getting better so you know uh, what teams can do in the off season is take all that info and say all right we're going to try and work on this particular area of the car and, and hopefully um you know develop some things that will make our driver happier and thankfully i was you know it was the same driver so that that information would apply um, and, and it worked. I mean, as soon as I got out on the track, literally my first lap, I said, yep, this is way better. Um, and I was obviously hoping that, you know, when I was looking at the time sheets, that that would that would make sense. Um, and, you know, we just purely worked on the race car, the whole practice. Did we fall a little bit in qualifying? Yeah. I didn't do the job I needed to do in qualifying. Um we probably could have run a little bit closer to a qualifying simulation to see how much the track had gripped up towards the end of the day or the end of the practice session because the track kept gaining, you know, a tremendous amount of grip each lap because, you know, the track was so fresh. So, um, so yeah, it was our, our car was strong from the get-go. I was very, very confident in it. Uh, I was very, very confident in the fact that the race was going to be difficult as well because passing and, and trying to use any other lane other than one lane 
um, was near impossible thanks to whatever that PJ one crap is on the on the outside <laughs> of the on the outside lanes of uh, of the track. But uh, yeah, it, it was a wild day. You know, even in qualifying, we saw what happened to Sato, I and mean, that was just you know such a wild situation. And and and, and again. You have something happen, and, and Sato didn't even make the race. And, and Renus, you know, was was very close to, um, you know, not being able to do his first IndyCar race. But those, you know, the ECR guys worked really, really hard to get him out there. Um, and yeah, just it just goes to show you, you, you just had to do the best amount of, you know, do the best you could with the amount of time that you had. And I really do think we did that, um, and just worked hard all race long. Just just put in the work, uh, you know, made the car a little bit better each stop. The, the, the pit crew did a great job, um, but yeah, there was there's a lot of interesting things, you know, throughout that race. Uh, you know, we were dealing with the aero screen, the the heat, the uh, you know what what was happening with the uh, you know helmet induction, you know air induction uh, system. Uh, you know what 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 was going to go on with the tires? You know, we only had to do 35 lap stints for short, and you know there were there were some vibrations every now and then. I know some teams other you know struggled with them more than more than I did. Um, but there was just so much that was happening in that race that you just kind of had to keep your head wrapped around. And, um, you know, thankfully we were able to do that. And I was, I was super happy. I, I really, I really wanted to be on the podium. I think we, we had the speed to be there. We were definitely faster than Simon and Joseph's. Um, but you know, the, the, the Penske, the Penske crew, it's hard to, uh, it's hard to, you know, go up against Penske and, and anything. And, and they, you know, they strategically and, uh, you know, pit stop wise just seem to do the right thing at the right moment and jump ahead of everyone except for Dixon. You're right. Um, you mentioned the aero screen. I know that was particularly on a really, really hot day um, when it was a race that was playing out, uh, you know, kind of at dusk right around that, that sunset time where glare can kind of be a bit of an issue this is the first time that you guys have raced in it in general. I know you were someone that was just kind of, I don't know if, if skeptical is the right word, but certainly kind of uncertain of how this was going to play out, what, the, what it was going to be like to race with uh, until we got to Texas. What was your initial impression of how it affected, you know, your, your visibility, the, you know, how, how warm, how much you were sweating, how many fluids you were drinking during the race um, just to, in this first initial test? You know, it went better than I thought, for sure. I think we, uh, you know, I, I didn't necessarily, we, we, we made sure to prepare, you know, pretty early on in the week with hydration um, and stuff like that. So I, I felt pretty pretty hydrated and pretty ready to go physically as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, the car was hot. When you when you sat in the pits, uh, it was it was like you were in a, you know, a boiling oven. It was just, it was, it was really, really hot. Um, had to keep a fan on at some point while you're sitting in the pits. Um, but you know, in the race, it, it, it was, it wasn't too bad, but I think if you spend a lot of time at 200 miles an hour, you know, we, ha- we get a lot of air that is flowing into that, you know, those two, um, the two induction holes that are on the shock cover, um, you know, which were designed for driver cooling and, uh, the helmet cooling system, I think needs a, needed a little bit of work, but I think the series knows that and. And, and we know that because there's no there's no filters on any of the you know any of the holes that are coming in the car. So you know one thing we noticed is that I was covered in dirt and dust and, and, and marbles and rubber and just all kinds of crap uh, you know after the race. Like and, and that's because all the dirt is flowed directly to your body. So you're just you're just covered in track dust and and um, and dirt. And the helmet induction system was just full of rubber and full of you know just debris that, that you that you get on racetracks during you know an oval race so um so there's a lot of stuff like that but i'm just really curious to see what it's like on a road course obviously you know you're not spending a ton of time above you know 180 miles an hour and and you know doing doing corners at less than 70 miles an hour at some point too so the, the airflow will be lessened uh you know quite a lot there and so that that'll be a true test i'm sure it'll be hot you know, next, next weekend in Indianapolis, um, you know, for the Grand Prix. So that'll be another test, but it definitely went better than I thought, you know, certainly visibility wise, we pulled the tear off every, every pit stop for the windscreen, the windscreen tear off. But I talked to Rossi afterwards and they didn't pull one of them. So, you know, I, I just, I think it's every driver is different. It's going to be a preference on, on what you can and can't see. Um, 
And, you know, I was, I was obviously in traffic most of the race and Alex, Alex had, you know, a bit of an issue during, you know, the beginning of his race. So I don't know what was going on there. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, you know, I, I, I thought it went better that, that my, my general thought was it definitely, um, had less issues than I expected. Sure. Um, was a solid day for your sometimes teammate slash uh, team owner, Ed Carpenter, finished just a spot ahead of you in fifth. Um, you'll be able to certainly, like we said, be teaming up with the Ed Carpenter Racing group, not with Ed specifically on track this year, uh, these couple weekends when we head to the GMR Grand Prix. But um, great, great, solid weekend for him. Maybe not as much so for your teammate in a couple weekends, Renus VK, who I know, um, you know, had some, had some rookie struggles, you know, as we may call it, had a crash there early on in the, the practice time frame. Guys at ECR did a great job to be able to make sure that his car was ready for the race. Uh, and he did appear and then ended up crashing out uh, before the, the f- lap 40 mark or so in that race. I don't know how much you've talked with Renus since, um, but imagine you guys have already been heavy in preparation for this next weekend. What do you feel like, you know, he was able to learn or take from those, uh, you know, couple of maybe rough experiences to start his IndyCar career? Well, you know, I think he'll be fine. Uh, we were, you know, we were on the simulator together yesterday. Um, and, you know, the, the kid just wants to get out there and, 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 and do his job and, and be the best driver he can be. And, and, and I, you know, I think what he... I think the biggest thing that, that I told him is like, look, these things happen. Like, like it's, it's, this is really hard what we're doing. And I think that's the one thing I want to, you know, make sure that, that, uh, you know, I, I get him to say, Hey, like you don't necessarily have to jump out there and be the best immediately. Like a lot of the times you get a lot more respect for being out there every lap of every session. You know what I mean? And, and, and just, and just reducing mistakes. So I think that's that's one thing. You know, I think he'll be fine. But again, it's it's jumping off the you know jumping off the sidelines after three months away. Um, you know, getting right back into things at two hundred and twenty plus. I mean, that's really hard. Like it's not easy at all. Um, and I and I you know I, I said before the weekend I said it's going to be the hardest on the rookies. And um, you know it was it was definitely uh, an interesting night for a lot of people, but. Uh, you know, I, I think he'll be really fast at the GP. You know, ECR had fast cars there last year, and um, you know we, we we've done a lot of work on the simulator for Indy GP and Road America. Uh, so you know, hopefully we can we can have a good strong showing there. And you know, I you know I want to I want to beat him, but uh, you know I, I hope he has you know a really good weekend to rebound from from Texas and um, and just kind of get that three week stretch that we've. I mean, the next three weeks are going to be a while. I mean, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of racing, uh, a lot of, you know, grinding it out with the teams and, and, uh, just working hard at things. So there, there's going to be a lot going on and, you know, we have three, three race weekends in a row, but we're also going to the simulator, like in between two of those races. So like we've got, we've got really busy weeks as, as drivers and, um, you know, I couldn't be more excited for it. Before we put Texas to bed, you mentioned those crazy, busy, fast-paced uh, weekends. I think it comes out to five races in the span of about 15 days for you guys uh, in that busy portion of July, starting with the GMR Grand Prix, ending with the two races back-to-back uh, on the Iowa Oval. Having that one-day show um, at Texas to be able to, I imagine in some ways, kind of prepare for what things are going to be like when you guys are at Road America and at Iowa for those one-day shows um, on back-to-back days. How how beneficial and how much do you feel like you guys were able to learn just about what what you guys are capable of taking away and capable of doing when that time is so constrained on those race days? Well, I certainly look forward to, you know, I think with Carlin, well, like when we get to Iowa, the the biggest thing for us is going to be like, what can we take from Texas? You know, will will some of the same stuff that we found for Texas work for there? And and if not, boy, we better find quickly something else that does. You know what I mean? And I think I think it's basically just about risk risk mitigation. You know, how, 
how much risk do you want to take for, um, you know, for qualifying? How much risk do you want to take for, um, you know, for the race? And, and when it comes to Road America, you know, what's interesting about the weekend, you know, Indy GP weekend, we have a lot of tires to use. Road America, we have no tires to use. You know, it, it's, it's a very different tire strategy weekend, you know, because Road America being the double header, um, and we're very tire rich at the Indy GP, which will be nice. Being tire rich is always more fun, um, but it becomes more difficult when you get to Road America. You want to do as many laps as possible, but you just don't have enough tires. So, uh, so it'll be it'll be really interesting. And, and you know, when, then when you get to Iowa as well, you know, from what we've seen. Uh, I don't know if they've announced this publicly or not. I have no idea. But like lap one for qualifying is for race one, and lap two is for race two. So you don't get a chance to improve for race two. You better have your qualifying sorted, you know, right away. And and that could be tough because you might find something in race one that you really want to implement for race two. But you're kind of screwed if, if you don't uh, have a good, you know, qualifying on that first day. So um, so so there will be some really interesting things that the team's got to got to work through but once we get into the swing of things like once we get through ndgp you know we'll have some information to look at and then boom right back into road america and then boom right into iowa i think there's there's just things that once you get you know once you get rolling and and, and i know certainly i i know i pick up a lot of speed as i as i get rolling and the more days we do in the car so i mean i'm, I'm hoping that that works out well for us but uh you know i, I guess time will tell yeah really interesting idea there with you know with that qualifying information i'll be interested to see how they do that for for road america too certainly going to be such an important weekend for both of those um you know to to keep your car clean that first day i mean pretty important for that second day because your you know your teams are only going to have a handful of days before you're heading from wisconsin over to iowa but um you know yeah i mean this year this year more than ever being mistake free is for sure the biggest thing. I mean, there's so little time, and these guys are doing so much work on these cars that that you just are, that that's just normal work in between sessions. If you have you know have an issue, I mean, that could totally change the way the championship plays out. If if you know some people have some mistakes early on, or there's just something that happens, and uh, you know, I think I think you know drivers who are just making the least mistakes could could end up benefiting. Um, you know, massively in the long run. We've already seen it with Andretti. I mean, it was it was such a wild thing to see both you know both Ryan and and Alex have to start the race, you know, the way they did, and 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 that was so difficult to see. But you know, a lot of that wasn't the fault of the team at all. You know, sometimes these things just happen, um, and and it's just it's just crazy. But you know, those things in the long run might affect. You know, Alex is obviously a championship favorite, um, and now he's got you know he's got he's got a lot of work ahead of him. Uh, which I'm sure, you know, I'm sure he'll be back to, he'll probably win both races at Road America. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's just, it's just going to be interesting to see how that, you know, how something at the beginning of this crazy, weird, new environment that we're all in play out as, as we go along. That's definitely a good point. Yeah, I'll touch real quick on that um, Andretti aspect of things. So for people that haven't already read or, or weren't familiar, so uh, Hunter Ray, Rossi, and Graham Rahal's cars all struggled uh, firing once we were on the grid there just minutes before the start of the race in Texas and what they they found out afterwards was it was the the ECU on the car um, just wasn't wasn't operating properly and it would have been something that typically um, in, a, in a normal race weekend that the Honda engine technicians would have been able to make a real quick fix on but those folks were not permitted to be on the grid um, right there pre-race uh, because of social distancing guidelines. So they were, you know, they had a max number of people that were allowed on those grid and those per people weren't included. So when that happens and those team engineers weren't able to fix the issue, they then had to, you know, push the cars off the grid, um, get those folks to, I think, help, help get that car firing properly, but A, delay them in their start of the race, at least getting into the pack during the warm-up laps, and then it also forced them to make um, a, a drive-through uh, penalty, which then for Rossi turned into uh, you know a, a speeding penalty on that first one, so we had to serve a second one. So it was a really tough day for those guys. Um, I kind of hope that IndyCar has 
you know, maybe changed up those rules a little bit to either allow those folks to be on the grid for these future races or allow teams to utilize them in a fluke thing like that um, without any sort of penalty. Because it's just, as you mentioned, it was something that was entirely out of their control. It was an impound race, so they weren't able to, um, you know, make any changes or double check any things following qualifying. They were sitting, it was a really hot day. So um, really, really fluky, weird way to start the day. But you felt like probably for the most part, the best car on the track there won with Scott Dixon as dominant as he, as he was that day. So um, as we move on there, we'll move on to uh, a little bit about IndyCar and NASCAR meeting up for the first time, as we mentioned at the top of the show, at the uh, same racetrack on the same weekend. Um, NASCAR, of course, coming in after a, a really crazy couple days. Um, if, if you guys have been following along, we'll, we'll just touch on it shortly. Um, the, the race on Sunday at Talladega was postponed due to rain. Um, and, and, and while that was going on, uh, team officials with uh, Richard Petty's team and, and on the car above Wallace found uh, a rope in their garage they believed to be a noose um, and, and there were questions whether that was um, you know a threat to Bubba uh, and his team or not there was an investigation involving NASCAR and the FBI um, came out luckily to find that that was something that uh, had been there since at least October it was not meant in any way as a hate crime to to Bubba, and there's you know still a lot boiling out there among fan base on you know what all this means and, and where the series goes from here. But what we can definitely say is it led to a, a really strong showing of unity uh, among the drivers and the teams when that race started back up there on Monday. They pushed. Uh, collectively Bubba's car to the front of grid and, uh, and did it all together and it was another sign of, of NASCAR's drivers really rallying around each other they've had some you know some video statements um, when the confederate flag was banned from tracks a couple weeks ago and it's it's just been I think maybe more than anything you know you get put aside the the specifics of the news I think it's just been a, a really strong showing um by these drivers and, and showing that, you know, despite being competitors on the racetrack, that it's a really tight knit group. Um, and I guess I'd be curious, Connor, just kind of to know what your reaction was as a driver, um, seeing those guys rally around each other, come together. Um, even, you know, even as, as hard as they do compete there once, uh, once the tr cars are running there, uh, on, on race day. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, Bubba Wallace and I share a sponsor at the U.S. Air Force. You know, the U.S. Air Force is, is involved with the 43 car and, and Bubba and that, and that team. So, you know, definitely um, was paying attention to everything going on there. And, and the racing is a family. I mean, we, we, we know that for sure, those that are involved. Um, and, and, and uh, you know, we support each other. And I think that was, that was super evident. Um, and, and it was just fantastic. No matter what the results of, of the investigation was, you know, it was just great to to see that type of unity, and, and you know, I know a lot of those NASCAR guys, and um, there there are a lot of great people over in that paddock as well, and, and uh, you know, I I, I I thought it was I thought it was just cool to see, and um, you know, there's a lot of crazy stuff happening in the world right now, without a doubt, um, but uh, but to see a sport unify like that, to see you know drivers and teams, uh, you know, coming together. Uh, you know, was was uh, was really special for sure. Um, will be interesting to see, you know, how the how that all continues. NASCAR moves this weekend for a doubleheader at Pocono on Saturday and Sunday before they then head to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Initially, was supposed to be the uh, the first running of the Brickyard 400 weekend on a new date it had been in September or around there in years past and was now moving to uh, around the July 4th weekend was uh, even without IndyCar at first was supposed to be a big one uh, you know have some concerts allow people to camp in the infield have fireworks shows all of that um, not being held this year due to restrictions around the pandemic and the, you know, just the, the local rules here in Marion County. But um, 
regardless of all of that will be, you know, even without fans there, will be a very historic weekend, be an important one, I think, for both series in terms of them finally coming together. You know, we've heard for so many years fans and, and other folks around both clamoring and asking for IndyCar and NASCAR to find a way to bring these two series together at the same place, at the same time, on the same weekend. Uh, you know, we've seen some of that with IndyCar and IMSA and some other things like that, but but never these two. And these are, you know, Connor, as you mentioned, it's it's a group of drivers that, from what I understand, can be, you know, pretty darn close from all the NASCAR guys, especially in the Cup Series over to IndyCar. You all, of course, also have the uh, guys in the Xfinity Series who will be testing out, be the first time that uh, a Cup Series stock car will race on the IMS road course. It'll be the same course that the IndyCar drivers will run on Saturday as well with IndyCar's race right around noon or so, followed by the Xfinity race at three, and then you'll have the Brickyard 400 the next day in the middle of the afternoon on Sunday. Uh, just on the topic of those two series coming together, Connor, um, what what is the most exciting aspect to you uh, just in terms of seeing all of this finally come together? I know in some weird circumstances, given the, the pandemic this year, but certainly seems as, as those, those two series have um, made the best out of uh, a, a crummy situation. Yeah, well, I think the most exciting part about the weekend was, you know, is potentially introducing fans who have probably never watched an IndyCar race before to their first IndyCar race and, and vice versa. Fans who are so dedicated to IndyCar, you know, might be forced to sit through a NASCAR race, but they might enjoy it. <laughs> and uh, you know, I, I was just with Noah Gregson yesterday for a little bit. Uh, you know, we were talking about NDEP circuit because they're, you know, they're going to be coming in hot and uh, racing there for the first time. And, and I think it's awesome. I mean, it, 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 it is sad that, you know, our paddocks will not be able to, you know, hang out or communicate at all. And, and, and that kind of sucks because part of being at the track at the same time as some of your friends is you get to talk about what's going on at the track, you know, with your friends. Um, so that's, that's, that's kind of uh, a shame, but. You know, it's all for all for safety, and uh, either way, I think it's going to be awesome. I just I can't wait to see how it plays out. You know, I'm sure we'll all be limited where we can go, and what we can do, which limits the amount of enjoyment we can get out of it. But uh, but I hope on TV, you know, it, it ends up being something that um, you know is really cool. And there's a ton of racing going on next weekend, a ton of racing on July Fourth weekend. So um, you know, there will be a lot to watch. You know, NBC obviously as well. We'll do an incredible job for us, for you know, for for the series that are there, and um, you know, I, I I can't wait for it. I think it's it's something that we got to have more of in the future. I hope that we will have an opportunity to, you know, do more of this in the future because I think it'll just be great. I think it'll be great for our fan bases. I think it'll be great for for our racing. You know, I, I the only thing I hope it doesn't is you know, pit series against each other. That's that's not what this is meant to do. Um, you know, they. That there's a lot that you know we can do with this that, that should be positive and and hopefully we can uh, you know c- continue a weekend like this in the future for sure yeah I talked a little bit uh, to Mark and Doug a little bit earlier today and one of the things that they mentioned is that even though it had been tough to bring these two series together in years past and a lot of it just came down to scheduling and the fact that you have to plan so far ahead when you're in charge of these series as far as scheduling goes um, that they had noticed that it felt like over these last couple of years that you'd been starting to see maybe not as much of the, um, you know, the arguing or the back and forth between fans of two series about, you know, which one is better or the ratings on TV for both. And that was maybe starting to be more of an understanding of the fact that these two series are part of the greater motorsports family and you're seeing that unity among drivers and I think you are starting to see some of that um, over these last couple of years between fans and it probably in some way led to uh, us hearing and, and talking a little bit more about when that historic doubleheader would happen and now it's here. Um, one thing about the, the GMAR Grand Prix, we 
Uh, we'll have to see first off if someone other than Simon Pagano or Will Power can win on that track. Of course, those two have, have won all of the races uh, of the IndyCar races run on the road course race uh, thus far since they started about six years ago or so. Connor, do you have any sort of an idea whether you know we'll see someone other than uh, one of those two guys pull off a win here this weekend? Well, I want to win it. I know that. Uh, so, you know, we'll see. But uh, I think one thing that Penske's really known well for is, is um, you know, the amount of mechanical grip they can develop. And, and IMS is potentially the smoothest surface that we have to race on all year. And, and Penske's known for having, you know, setups and, and mechanical uh, grip that really pushes the tires hard and, and, and works well on, on probably, you know, the smoothest surface you can – uh, you know, you can get a lot of grip out of, and there's not a lot that, that um, you know, that, that differs with a ton of bumps and different surface changes. So, you know, their technical program is, is really strong, really, really good. And I'm not surprised that they've won because they also have very good drivers. So, uh, you know, so, so we'll see. I mean, I hope that we can beat them. I mean, that's the plan is, is to beat those guys. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll just have to see how we show up. I know that ECR cars were fast last year. I feel good about what we've developed in the simulator and, and the work that we've done. You know, we've put in, I mean, hundreds of laps uh, on the simulator. And, and uh, you know, it, it's gotten to a point where I am so sick of driving the track virtually. I, I just I can't wait to get there in, in, in real life. So, um, you know, hopefully all that work pays off and, uh, you know, I feel really good too. I, I was really hoping to come out of Texas with some confidence, you know, personally, and 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 I've definitely got that on my side. So, um, you know, just want to go out and have another smart race, right? Just keep keep the points flowing. I mean, this is a points championship. I mean, realistically, you take Ed out of the mix because Ed's not running full time. You know, we're sitting top five in the championship right now, um, and and I think that's you know that's that's an exciting thought to uh, you know to to look at and. You keep putting a few races in the you know top five, uh, you know in a row, and, and suddenly you find yourself in a in a great spot for you know for the end of the year. So, uh, so so yeah, we just got to keep the momentum rolling. I want you know this my first race with ECR. You know things will be there. There'll still be some new things. You know the pit crew is going to be learning me. I'm going to be learning them. And um, I, I mean I, I just I can't wait for it. Um, I know you mentioned you've been in touch with some of those. Um, Xfinity drivers, they'll be testing out, uh, you know, the the car on the road course. There, we had Matt De Benedetto that tested that. I think it was back in January this year, just to make sure that it was something uh, that was feasible for those cars to do moving forward. Do you have any sense of, you know, kind of what the excitement level is for those guys running uh, in a, a little bit different capacity at this track? Well. I think it's. I think it's going to be a great race for them. Uh, I mean, I think there's there's long enough straights to generate you know a good draft in those cars to have a good uh, overtaking zones, um, and you know, the, the track has pretty smooth runoff, so people might be dropping wheels and, and able to hang on to it. Um, so, so yeah, you're, I, I actually am upset because I wanted to do that race myself, <laughs> um, but obviously. Uh, you know, can't do that now uh, because of uh, you know because I got to focus on my IndyCar stuff. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I think those guys are pumped about it. Uh, it's something different for them. I know uh, you know there's, they're they're, they're going to be putting a lot of work into the simulator stuff as well because that they, that's not they don't they don't get a lot of track time there. Thankfully, they do get real practice, which is nice. Um, you know, at least they they get to do some laps on. Um, uh, before they actually go out and race, because I, I think that whole no practice thing is is crazy for those NASCAR guys. I don't. I just think that's you know to, to to give to give them no practice, even when teams are already there. You know, give them five minutes, five, a five minute, ten minute practice session is still so much nicer than just going out there and jumping into the race for the first time. But you know, that's not for me to decide. But, uh, but yeah, I I, I, I'm, I know I'm going to be excited to watch them. And um, I look forward to having those guys in town again as well. Yeah, it'll be – that was still very surprising. I, I agree. When you had kind of three days of racing action at the track, I was still surprised to see the Cup guys maintaining uh, those plans without practice. I think you guys kick off uh, Friday's track action with your guys' first and 
uh, first lengthy, first and only lengthy practice. Xfinity goes for back-to-back 55-minute practice during the afternoon, and then you guys qualify around 4.30 or so on Friday. You guys get a warm-up period there before the race on Saturday. You guys race at noon with the Xfinity at 3. But you're, you're right. It still seemed like there would have been an opportunity for the cup guys to get in some sort of practice, whether it's after, uh, you know, after Xfinity gets off uh, the track, I know they do have to transition the track going from, you know, the road course to the the oval. There's some stuff that has to be done there that a lot of us, you know, aren't necessarily involved with or, or understand very well. But even, you know, the, the race, I think, doesn't start till 3.30. So you would have thought maybe there would have been a chance there that they could have given those guys just some amount of practice. I know they're starting to probably get used to this a little bit as much as they can, just having to be prepared uh generally speaking for how they've experienced the track and tracks in the past but still could be pretty wild you're right um all right let's move on to some of the questions that we got today uh as i reached out to folks on twitter um we'll we'll answer as many of those as we can for you guys uh first come where first one comes from um alex on twitter uh says hey connor what challenges do you face when splitting the season with two different teams? I think we we will find out more as we go. Because obviously the first weekend went really well. And, you know, the car that I will be driving more this year finished right in front of me. So, you know, that's that's going to be... I think uh, where it becomes difficult is, is the trading of information. You know, there is no trading of information, right? You know, you, you got to be respectful of each team's, you know, data and information and and set up stuff like that. Um, but I'm going to go from, you know, two weekends in a row with ECR where, you know, you get settled into, you know, using my seat and, you know, driver fit, um, you know, measurements and, and, and I, you know, swapping the helmets over. And, um, you know, I, I, as soon as I got to Texas, I had to walk into the ECR trailer, you know, to get some stuff out of my locker there because I didn't have certain things at the Carlin trailer. So, you know, they, they've been really cool with helping me out a little bit. Um, heck, I even talked, you know, I even, you know, talked with Ed for quite a long time after the first practice session in Texas. And, um, you know, Ed's been really cool with this. Ed, Ed, Ed is my teammate, you know, no matter what. And, 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 and so is Renus too. You know, I, I look, I look at those guys as teammates. Um, you know, even when I'm driving with Carlin, but, uh, but I, I think the only thing that just becomes difficult is, you know, each one wants to win, and, and you know, if I won with one, I'd want to win with the other, right? Cause, because you see that experience, uh, and hopefully we can get wins with both teams. That would just be the craziest thing ever, and uh, I think um, it would certainly be a historic moment, should, you know, should we win with both teams in, in one year. That would, that would be pretty cool. Um, another question here from Brian Kelly, uh, at BKIU Flash on Twitter, says, for driver, what's the biggest challenge or uh, change of the windscreen on a road course when you compare it to an oval like Texas? Well, I think as, as we mentioned earlier, it's just the fact that we're going such uh, lower speeds on the road courses, and we're there more often. You know, we're at Texas, you're at 200 plus the entire race. And, uh, you know, even, even your slowest laps are above 198 miles an hour. Um, and... You know, one thing that we did notice is that when we were under yellow at Texas, it got quite hot, uh, and and it was it was quite warm. And you know, a speed like that is is you know closer to what we're going to be running on road courses. So again, still don't know a ton about how it's going to work out. I do think it's going to be better than I think. I'm, I've been a little bit pessimistic about the aero screen the whole time, um, but uh, but yeah, we'll just have to you know see what happens. I, I, there hasn't been. You know, any really there hasn't really been any accidents though to you know throw debris up and potentially cause an issue for the, the tear offs or anything like that. So um, you know, there's still a lot to be found out, and uh, you know, we'll just kind of keep rolling with it for now. And, and uh, I definitely think though that a very hot day during the middle of July or early July at the Indianapolis Speedway, uh, you know, on the road courses, it's certainly going to be warm. Series of questions here from Chris Bishop at CR Bishop on Twitter. First one, uh, 
is for Connor here. What are the chances of a driver testing positive? I'm assuming he he's uh, referring to uh, the coronavirus, COVID-19, uh, and then being replaced versus not running at all, um, your team or other teams, et cetera. Yeah, that's a weird scenario. I don't really know how to answer that. Um, I, uh, yeah, I mean, I know, interestingly enough, like Landon Castle, a good friend of mine, uh, who's been in our LCQ leagues on the internet on Monday nights, uh, I know he's been at the track at NASCAR races as sort of a reserve driver if something like that happens. Um, if someone got, you know, got, got uh, diagnosed with COVID, I guess. Um, but you know what? Again, all of this stuff is, is sort of we'll deal with it when we get there type of a situation. I, I don't know of any. I mean, there are always drivers at the track, you know, that have helmets, I'm sure. But, you know, teams also have essential personnel now. So a lot of the drivers that would normally go to races as like reserve drivers are not there anymore because they're not on team's essential personnel list. So um, let's just keep thinking that no one's going to get it, and we'll just keep rolling with that. <laughs> yeah, I'd say that's a good way to look at it. Um, maybe helps maybe helps a hair when you're holding a, an event in Indianapolis, even if someone like that wasn't able to actually be on hand at the track if there was something like that. you know, Maybe someone like that that wasn't already planning to run the race might be able to be there if they did actually live in Indy. But let's just keep our fingers crossed that we don't even have to worry about anything like that. Um, another, another question from Chris Bishop uh, asking about Connor's uh, says, Connor, talk about your last couple days with uh, Travis Pastrana. Uh, well, let me tell you, it was potentially the greatest experience I've ever had in my entire life in a three-day span. So uh, Travis has been awesome. You know, I, I've met Travis before, uh, you know, as a fan. You know, I've got his autograph. I've got his little, you know, 199, uh, you know, hero card, Red Bull hero card. And, and my, my little brothers have his autograph on their, on their motorbike helmets, um, you know. And, and, and when he was brought into, you know, this, uh, well, we all got together for this rallycross championship uh, on the internet over e-racing, you know, at the beginning of this whole quarantine thing, uh, you know, he he had contacted Alex uh, Rossi's, uh, you know, assistant Liza, and Eliza is very connected in that whole X Games world, and and uh, so she put us all in touch, and he obviously jumped in my Discord for a couple of those uh, races, um, and we just kind of became friends. And there's there's a hilarious group text chain that's you know now the LCQ league with Chad Reed, Ricky Carmichael, and uh, Landon Castle, me, Alex Hinch, um, and it's just full laughs. So, you know, he presented the idea a couple weeks ago when I was at Marco's house, actually, because Marco's house isn't too far away from where Travis is, you know, a bit of a couple-hour drive, but um, I was like, well, what about this weekend? Worked out perfectly, went out there, because I was on my way out to the Chevy Simulator in, in, in Charlotte, um, and yeah, just did some awesome stuff, didn't break any bones, didn't... Um, you know, get hurt at all, which is super thankful. Ed was a little bit nervous. Ed, you know, everyone was telling me, hey, you're going to hurt yourself. And I said, no, come on. Like, I, do I look like I've been presented with a lot of situations in my life where I could have hurt myself, and I did not. And diabetes hasn't got me yet either, so, you know, clearly I'm doing all right. So, uh, yeah, it was it was awesome. Got to do some great stuff. Uh, he's got an incredible group of people out there, a great family, uh, you know, thankful his wife lets him do you know lets him hang out with us as well and um you know yeah i'll, I'll definitely be going out there again hopefully at some point uh you know this year probably in the off season uh but uh yeah incredible place incredible time and uh it was it was so much fun sounds pretty cool um another question from andrew stewart uh asking about uh, whether NASCAR slash, or he says NASCAR slash NBC has put digital thermometers in the car to show the heat in the car, and he plans on doing that to show the conditions with the new aero screen. Now, I will say, um, from what I know, I know from watching the broadcast of the Texas race, you know, they, I don't know that they had that, but they did have a lot of folks, you know, some of the pit reporters there on pit lane, they were using those digital thermometers to kind of show how much hotter it was for you guys in the car. Um, you know, getting the, the temperature of inside the, the car with the air screen, the temperature of the actual car surface, and then of the track itself. So do you know of any plan um, for them to put any sort of thermometers, either to show it or just to kind of monitor how warm you guys are getting in there? 
Well, I certainly hope they do. I, I, I heard about that same thing as well, but I think I was like, ah, I think it's odder than that in there. <laughs> but uh, I mean, it, it just depends on where you measure it, too, right? Like if it's if it's right below the steering wheel, probably where there's least airflow, that's going to be hotter than than where it is closer to the uh, you know the the little capsule hole where we get out of. Um, but uh, I certainly hope they put thermometers in there or something um, because it would be cool to see that. Uh, and then. I don't know. I mean, it. I can tell you one thing from personal experience: it is hot. <laughs> but uh, you know what's funny is I, I don't. I still don't think it'll be as hot as you know some of the NASCAR cockpits get because they're they're pretty locked in there. Um, but they also have you know cool shirts and actual air conditioning blowing into their helmet. Uh, at least most. At least the big budget drivers do. Um, so so yeah, it's it's still a little bit different from us. You know we. The only air we get through our helmets is just outside air, so that's hot as well. Um, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see as we go. Question here from Ryan Hoff uh, asking, what do you project as the car count for the Indy 500? Um, so I will say, according to uh, the tabulations I have been keeping for the 500 this year, I believe we are at uh, 34 cars of as far as folks that have... Um, said that they plan to be in the race of some sort. That goes uh, four for Penske, six for Andretti. You've got the Meyer Shank entry, three from uh, Chip Ganassi. You've got three from Ray Hall Letterman and Lanigan, including uh, Spencer Piggott with the partnership with Citroen Buell Autosport. You have three from uh, Arrow McLaren SP, two from Dale Coyne Racing, um, three from AJ Foyt Racing, three for Ed Carpenter Racing. Two planned for Carlin, uh, including Max Chilton, though we don't know who that other driver of the 31 car will be yet. Um, two from Dryden Reinbolt Racing, including not, no name yet for their second entry. Uh, Dragon Speed has said that they plan to enter a car. No, uh, no one on that yet. And then uh, Bird uh, Racing has said for, uh, I think since around maybe January, they... January or December of last year, they announced that they plan to enter James Davison in that car. So that would add up to 34 entries. We've got 31 car or 31 drivers confirmed in those entries. Um, so that's that's where we stand right now. Unless I'm missing something that you can think of, Connor. Yeah, to be honest, I haven't paid attention. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know there. I know there's going to be. Uh, you know, hopefully 33. Uh, but uh, it, it, it's a tough situation, man. I mean, the, the way the world is right now with money, I mean, the only way those extra cars are going to show up on the grid is if someone's got money for them. So that's, um, you know, that, that's a tough scenario. And, and uh, we'll see how it plays out, obviously. Uh, but, yeah, I hope there's going to be bumping. I hope there's going to be people that, um, you know, are fighting to get in the field because that makes it such an exciting and electric qualifying weekend. So we'll see what happens. Yep. Um, one here from Dan Kincaid asking, uh, Connor, how much are you dreading back-to-backs at Iowa from a physicality point of view? I, I actually uh, addressed that question today uh, with with one of our with, with a physical therapist at at St. Vincent Sports Performance, where I've always trained. And um, you know, it's it's going to be tough, man. I, I'd, I'd like to think that you know it'll be a little bit cooler there, but it's probably not. Like last year was going to be like the hottest race literally I've ever been involved in in my life. But thankfully, it rained a ton, and then it cooled off after that. So, um, so we'll see, man. I mean, uh, I, I would like to. I, I bet you know after Iowa race one, you know we're gonna have uh, hopefully get some fluid IVs and get get ourselves rehydrated pretty aggressively, pretty quickly. Um, you know, after Texas, you know all all pretty much all the drivers had bloody elbows. You know, classic case of oval elbow. Um, so those will, you know, that, we have the same thing in Iowa. That's a, that's really probably one of the most physically difficult tracks of the year. So yeah, you know, I'm curious. I mean, it, it'll be a, it'll be a fight to the death. You know, that, that's for sure. Uh, you know, obviously with no deaths, but uh, you know, it's going to be a fight to the end of someone's physical, you know, abilities potentially. So, um, so we'll see what happens. I, uh, I think those type of situations are really interesting. It's a, it's a situation to take advantage of some people's mistakes um, because you make more mistakes when you're physically, you know, behind the car. Uh, so, so yeah, it, it'll be, <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, 
it's tough to think about because we just, you know, you got to be as ready as possible. You know, we've been training so hard, me and Ed, and, and, and I know all the, all the drivers are training hard, but um, just going to have to be ready for anything. This last question here from Donnie Green um, says, Connor, will you race any dirt races this year, uh, and will you ever do Midget Week in Indiana? Probably not Midget Week. It's usually uh, usually in a busy time. Uh, for us and, and honestly I don't know if I'm going to be doing any dirt stuff this year that's uh, you know the, the, the sponsor there with obviously you know Bird uh, you know Bird Racing and, and then David Bird you know I know his businesses have taken a hit um, you know through this whole uh, quarantine deal um, so uh, you know it, and, and he was the one who was making it happen for me so if, if, if it does happen uh, I don't see when it would happen to be honest because we've got we're going to be pretty locked in once we start in, in, in July. Um, but who knows? I, I was thinking about going to a race tomorrow night, Saturday night, um, in in Indiana uh, just to check out a dirt race. But uh, yeah, who knows? All right. Well, that is all the questions that we had for today's episode. Um, I think that'll wrap things up for Connor and I. We'll be. You know, hopefully able to get in some podcasts here in between all of the uh, the the rapidly quick uh, moving portion of the IndyCar season here, starting with the GMR Grand Prix on July 4th, moving to the doubleheader at Road America and the doubleheader at Iowa. So we will do our best to keep up with Connor and all the news around the series, but certainly Looking forward to an exciting weekend uh, with IndyCar and NASCAR partnering up at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. So we will have lots and lots of coverage heading into that weekend on IndyStar.com as well as some stories coming up uh, later today to provide a little bit more information and insight about how the Indy 500 is going to operate with this new news about 50% fan capacity later today. So um For Connor Daly, I am Nathan Brown. Thank you so much for listening to this latest edition of IndyCar Weekly. Connor, best of luck out there this next weekend. Thanks, everyone. Stay safe. Hopefully we'll see you at the track whenever we're allowed to.